1: Well, hello, friends. Welcome to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and you are listening to True Talk 800. Just a reminder, coming up on Saturday, June 7th, make sure to sign up if you are a woman working in ministry, whether that's volunteer or paid. If you're a woman working in ministry, we want to bless you at Refresh, which is a high tea event with my dear friend Georgine Rice. That's Saturday, June 7th at the Ambridge Event Center in Portland, with more details at kpdq.com. And a woman we could argue is working very well in ministry at George Fox University is their brand new lacrosse coach, and her name is Natalie Harrington. Welcome aboard, Natalie. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me, Mike.
1: It's a kind of icky, wet day to host a practice, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it definitely is, but it's not going to stop us Bruins.
1: (laughs) Well, good for you. So tell us about getting into George Fox University As the coach, and you've relaunched this program, haven't you?
2: Yes. Uh, um, Basically, I came back from college in um, May of 2013. And, um, you know, George Fox was just launching their new program. And I, you know, gave him a call and said, hey, like, have you found a coach yet? I'm like, no, we haven't. And I was actually still at Fresno State when this was going on. He go, and then um, their athletic director, Craig Taylor, who has been like an absolutely great mentor for me now, basically was like, hey, once you get back from school, why don't you just come in and talk with me and chat? Just like an informal interview and we'll get the ball rolling. I'm like, hey, that sounds good.
1: So at that point, <laughs> as a graduating senior at Fresno State, did you have any inkling that you might end up being a head coach?
2: Um, I had no, I did not know at all actually. And I originally was going to apply for the job as like an assistant, you know, for the program and stuff. But you know, when I went in, he, it seemed more serious than that. And he was like, Hey, I'm looking for a head coach. And I'm like, you know what, let's do this. I can, I can do
1: this. Uh, Your confidence is absolutely (laughs) inspiring to me as a father of daughters, but let's, uh, step back a little bit and talk about your background. You are a hometown girl. Yes. Right. Tell us about your upbringing.
2: All right. So I grew up, you know, in a Catholic household in um, Redland, a small town of Redland, in Oregon City. And, um, you know, I basically was in athletics ever since I was four years old. I started playing soccer when I was four. And my parents actually, I wasn't supposed to even be in um, playing soccer yet because they didn't have a program for four year olds. And so I actually ended up playing up with uh, five and six year olds and I just like loved it. And so ever since then, I was in sports. And, um, I mean, I've been a, an athlete since I was four years old. And this is, like, the first time that I have not been an athlete. But I got put into the coaching role, which was just as rewarding. And I think it was the right timing.
1: So do you have any previous coaching experience before George Fox?
2: Yes. I mean, I've coached at various camps. I coached alongside um, a bunch of Division One coaches at the Stanford camp, which was huge for me to get to see that level of coaching. Um, Amy Bacher at, you know, Stanford University, like, was outstanding mentor for me. Lauren Schmidt also who coaches at California State um, University is a huge you know mentor for me as well. Carly Buck has been um, a constant mentor for me and also was a really good assistant coach for me and honestly helped me learn the game of lacrosse. So I mean I had a lot of help along the way coaching alongside them and getting uh, coached by them really helped me as well. Um but I coach for Lacrosse Northwest. Uh, every year I come home for summer. I coach for Lacrosse
1: Northwest. So what exactly is Lacrosse Northwest?
2: Lacrosse Northwest is basically just a, a group of um, all the high school coaches in Oregon. Outstanding group of coaches we have in Oregon. And um, you know I coach with them in the summer, and I, I go on tournaments with them. I went to the Bay Area Bonanza tournament, and I you know I really talked to them about recruitment and how you get recruited in Oregon because it's still kind of um, unknown about how you get recruited.
1: So, soccer was your first sport. Yes. Uh, are you a bit of a natural athlete? Do you play any other sports? How did lacrosse become your first love when it comes to athletics?
2: That's a very good question. So, I mean, I played soccer, softball, basketball, and lacrosse. And um, in high school, I needed a sport that was going to keep me in shape off season for soccer because I originally thought, like, I'm going to go to college playing soccer. So I just I picked up lacrosse off season. And um, I just loved it immediately. So I didn't start playing lacrosse essentially until I was in eighth grade. And I started playing soccer when I was four. So I've played soccer longer than lacrosse, actually. But I just picked up the sport immediately and I loved it. I loved the fast paced game of it. I love the scoring that happens. You know, soccer, you know, one to two, a ratio is a pretty common game for soccer. But lacrosse, like 10 to 15 is a very common ratio for goals.
1: So did you have to come to a moment where you picked one over the other? Or could you continue both at the same time?
2: Um, I continued both at the same time through high school, but I think that lacrosse just evolved as my number one eventually and it was no questions asked. I got a lot more, you know, I didn't I, I really marketed myself as a, a lacrosse athlete more and that's where, you know, the colleges started to play a role.
1: So you went locally to was it Oregon City High School?
2: Yep, Oregon City High School.
1: And were you uh more of a standout in lacrosse or soccer, or was it about equal at this point?
2: I think I would say more lacrosse, definitely. I mean, we won state in um, 2009. Uh, I, I got MVP of the state championship game, which was like a huge honor. Um, and it was All-American, so that definitely helped with the recruitment process.
1: And how was it going from... an Oregon City High School girl to a Division One athletic program at Fresno State. And first of all, how did you choose Fresno State, or did they come looking for you because of your lacrosse accolades?
2: Um, Fresno State, I saw was going to be like a it was going to be a newer program, and I really wanted to see if I could like build the base the base with that program. So I was a part of the first recruited class ever at Fresno State, which like which a huge honor for you to be able to you know kind of help build that um, foundation for the program. And um, the coach was awesome, and she sent me you know, all this information about it and was really interested in me in coming and playing for her. She thought I was very coachable, and so I thought that was going to be the best bet for me.
1: So do you think being at a somewhat younger program at Fresno State at this point was a good preparation for what you're doing at George Fox today.
2: Absolutely, and I think that's part of the reason maybe why I I got this job because I always explained to them, like, I did it as a student-athlete. Now I want to do it as a coach. I understand the struggles that first-year teams are going to go through because I experienced those same struggles myself. So I think that's definitely helped me along the way.
1: So since you've had it firsthand, what a better fit for Georgia Fox University.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I hope so. I think so.
1: (laughs) So, Do you enjoy Newburgh? I, I, yeah. I personally adore Newburgh. Mm-hmm. My wife and I want to retire there someday, God willing. Yeah. It's just a beautiful, quaint college town with enough um, culture and fun things to do, yet a little bit off the beaten path. It and is. at the same time, close enough to Portland if you needed to hit any of the more city-type events.
2: No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I like Newburgh. I think it's a very cute—like, it's a small town. The mm-hmm. thing is, though, it's a very strong community um everyone like i walk around with my george fox like lacrosse stuff and they're like hey like we we're going to come watch one of your games Our, the community of newburg has given us more support at george fox than i ever received at fresno in a division 1
1: program which is huge that's wild yeah like, at the first game
2: we had like 450 people like it was crazy
1: so at a at a fresno state university sized program what would you have expected going down there as a, as a freshman versus what you ended up getting over the years
2: I mean, I, I think that the differences between division three and division one is that we see there's a lot more political stuff at division one. And I was ex- probably expecting to have, you know, more fans at the division one level and more support, but it actually ended up being the opposite because George Fox is just so supportive.
1: So it's really the culture of George Fox more yes. than your the size or the division or the level of your your play, huh?
2: Exactly. And I I kinda learned that and I think it's like awesome. Just because you're, you know, just because we're D three doesn't mean that we're not gonna have an absolute great support of our community in school. Sure.
1: Well it's good to see that though not surprising because we've done things with George Fox in the past and I've always been incredibly impressed with their staff and their students and the things that they have going on there. In fact, they were in the one of the Earlier ones on board when it came to packing shoebox for Operation Christmas Child yes. and helping embrace Oregon, make um, just like little care packages for kids in the DHS system to feel welcomed and loved and things like that. Absolutely.
2: So, mm-hmm.
1: so tell us about some of the politics that you'd want to avoid now that you're starting your own program here at George Fox.
2: Some politics that I probably want to avoid is that, um, you know, some coaches will do whatever they can to get a certain athlete. And whether that's, you know, twisting the, what the truth may be or what it may not be, I'm a very upfront coach. So I will tell my girls exactly what I want and how, you know, how I would like them to do it. And I think that um, if I have an athlete, that like for instance, some most a lot of girls on my team have never played before. It doesn't mean that I that we cannot turn them into outstanding student athletes at George Fox. So I think I would avoid, you know, trying to recruit at all costs rather than I have this great group of girls and we're gonna make them into outstanding athletes and individuals.
1: So has it been just a, a, a fascinating aspect of your job, taking someone who's never lifted a lacrosse stick <laughs> and teaching her the game. Yeah. So Do any of these uh, student athletes that you've recruited have a strong background in other sports like soccer, like from where you came?
2: Yes. um, There are some girls on my team who have never played lacrosse before, but they have played basketball. Um, Caitlin Bradshaw from from Idaho, never picked up a lacrosse stick. Outstanding basketball player, has been able to convert her basketball skills into her lacrosse skills, which is she's one of our uh, number one defenders, starts every game.
1: That's fantastic.
2: Miranda Edwards played soccer in California, never played lacrosse before. Now she's scoring goals for us.
1: So what's your current record?
2: Our current record is four and three. I'm sorry, uh, three and four. So three wins and four losses. So we're just teetering on the um, 500 season. But for
1: a fledgling brand new program going through its relaunch, that's kind of a a bit of a miracle on... The lacrosse yes. terms from what I can understand
2: it absolutely is a miracle and I think it just it just goes to show you that even though you know it, it it's how much work you're going you're willing to put into it. And these girls, you know, I did start out with 25 athletes and, you know, girls went along uh, the way and they decided it was too much for them and they quit. And I said, that's okay. I'd rather have 16 strong than 25 who are halfway there. I told these 16 girls, if you stick it out the rest of the season and you work hard, you will have a spot on my team for the following years.
1: Natalie Harrington is not only the women's lacrosse coach at George Fox University, but she is also a published author of the griffin's calling trilogy going by the pen name of nr rose more with her on difference makers on true talk 800 today's special guest on difference makers is the women's lacrosse coach at george fox university natalie harrington but you may also know her by another name her pen name of nr rose the author of the griffin's calling trilogy so Thank you for joining us today, Natalie. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Now, you've always been a bit of a natural athlete, and your parents have always been somewhat supportive of anything you've done, it seems. (laughs) Although I I sense in your self-confidence that they probably didn't need to really push you that hard when it comes to something you're passionate about.
2: No, I mean, it was awesome having the support of them, but I was very self-motivated, especially with sports. But the cool thing about, like, you know, my parents are, like, my dad, Mike Harrington, would always be out there throwing a lacrosse ball with me. He learned how to play, like, throw with me and stuff. And whenever I needed to, he's like, hey, net, let's go throw. He actually made um, a shot target for myself in high school that I used. And I think that's why, part of the reason why I was able to, you know, be a really good attacker, offensive player, because the shot target my dad made is he actually made two of them for my lacrosse team in college now. So it's really awesome well, to have their he I could know. open
1: up a side business hey doing he should that. you know
2: they're called diamond <laughs> shots so there you go
1: diamondshots.com nope. <laughs> facebook twitter you know <laughs> hey. get yourself on pinterest make pretty ones
2: yeah exactly design them. he School actually colors put, he put like the hockey goalie lacrosse. masks exactly go. uh-huh.
1: hmm, could be a side business mm-hmm. well have to keep our eye on him for that all right so uh tell us about when you first fell into writing as a passion
2: um when I first fell into writing as a passion I just I just found inspiration through different things like I've always adored like Lord of the Rings I I like Harry Potter kind of stuff um um Narnia stuff like that and I just like wanted to create something like that I just for some reason I felt compelled to want to do that and I also found inspiration through like songs like I love Billy Joel his song River of Dreams really inspired me Toto's Africa really inspired me as well And the funniest thing is I was just I was in my social studies class one day, kind of just like daydreaming. So I flipped my social studies homework over. Sorry to parents out there with kids. I know this is probably not the best thing to be saying to them. But uh, I just started jotting down the story um, of Griffin's calling, just ideas of like, okay, I saw this red diamond idea of this. um, I love the name Griffin and it's my favorite mythical character of a Griffin. So I just started jotting down this work and up on the back of my
1: homework so so thus was the <laughs> genesis of the griffin's calling trilogy on yes. the back of a school worksheet yeah <laughs> griffin's calling is book one griffin's temptation is book two and griffin's legacy is book three yeah and you really have to share with our listeners about what you decided to do how you did it how your mom encouraged you and how that ended up at a real young age
2: yeah Well, you see, my mom is a reading specialist, Michelle Harrington, in uh, the Oregon City School District. And so, you know, when I came home and told her one day that I'm going to write a novel, like she was super excited for me because, like, I mean, she loves to read, obviously. But I think she did like was like, "Eh, let's see if this how long this lasts. Well, it did last and I continued to write and she continued to review it and she just really liked the work that I was um putting in and was like you need to stick with this she she handed it to all of her like coworkers and I'm like hey your your daughter's writings actually pretty good you should have her stick with it so i did i did like that was the encouragement enough that like i was able to complete the story and stuff and you know i completed griffin's calling without knowing that it was going to be a trilogy i first started writing griffin's calling thinking it was just going to be a single book
1: so tell us about griffin uh, we know about our other epic stories, (laughs) heroes. Tell us a little bit about Griffin for those of us who are unfamiliar with Griffin's calling.
2: All right. So Griffin's kind of a troubled kid trying to find his way in life. Um, He doesn't really seem to fit in at school. He doesn't get along with um, the other kids and he doesn't have a good home life. You know, he wasn't blessed with a great family structure that a lot of us have. And um, he just like would always felt like he was compelled in something, you know, he was meant for something more in life, a great, very greater existence. And, um he loves the woods and i think that i got the idea with the woods because i live in oregon city literally on the edge of a wilderness like my backyard is a cliff and so um i really got the inspiration through the woods through where i live at home so each night he like sneaks out of his home and he finds he finds something that he'd been looking for his entire life
1: so i wonder how many lacrosse balls are at the bottom of this cliff. (laughs) probably an
2: uncountable amount
1: (laughs) Someone go down there with a five-gallon bucket and make a profit. Seriously,
2: off it. seriously.
1: So, have you found any inspiration for Griffin over the these three books from your life experiences as a a young woman, as an athlete, as someone who's come through the system not only here in Oregon but also at Fresno State?
2: I, I definitely think so. I think, like myself, like Griffin has always, like you know, felt like you could help people. I I love helping people. And like, I felt like I was always meant for something more as well. And so I think through Griffin, I kind of illustrated that in a very different, like magical kind of way. But I do think it has a lot to do with the fact of like, I want to help people. I want to be a world changer and um, I want to inspire people. And I think that's what Griffin kind of does along the ways. And he certainly helps people and helps what he was meant
1: to be. Did that come from your parents or any, uh, any young experiences that you had as a child?
2: Um, I think that my parents always try to teach me to be the best person that I can be, be humble. And that's like a huge part of like what I enjoy is like you will never ever do any wrong if you stay humble. And so I think that just the support with them and you know the life lessons that they've taught me really helped me dr- be driven to write those novels and kind of lead that storyline.
1: So as an author, as N R. Rose of the Griffin's Calling trilogy, are you available for tours or visits for any of our listeners who might want to have you come over to, to give a speech and share about your experiences, not only as an author or as a coach, maybe about the big picture that makes up Natalie Harrington?
2: Absolutely. And that's what I'm all about is the bigger picture. I actually do give author presentations to schools. I go into schools and talk about myself as an author, yes, and in the Griffins Calling trilogy. But a big portion of it is anti-bullying. And that's kind of the part where I'm at was I want to inspire people to gain acceptance for others who are different and accept others for who they are, and um, I really want to help you know build up kids' confidence to be like if you're good at at something you know you're that's awesome stay with it even if it is like you know if you're not an athlete you're going to be good at something else so
1: so long as you have a passion about it or yeah. in, in your case too vastly different worlds yeah between writing and playing Division One lacrosse and now coaching.
2: Absolutely, and I think it's what you know we talked about earlier. Earlier, Mike was that um, you know we are put into different compartments in this world, and we feel like we have to stay in one compartment and can't get out. Well, I think that with my riding and with my lacrosse, um, you know, and my sports IQ is that I try to teach people that just because you're good at something, just because you're an athlete, doesn't mean you can't be good at something else. You know, and I think that we need to see that we can be good at different things and that's totally okay to be good at multiple things.
1: It really is because especially nowadays, it seems like society is so quick to compartmentalize you yes, absolutely. and say, oh, you're this or, or you're that or hang out with the, the same age group or marital group and things like that. Yes. And I, I don't really, I don't really picture heaven being that way someday.
2: No, right? I think when all. we
1: get to heaven someday, it's going to look like the DMV. going to be all different ages, uh-huh. sizes, uh-huh. races. Uh, it's going to be all over the place, we're going to be surprised by people that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be almost equally surprised by some people that we do see.
2: Absolutely. And I and I completely agree with that. And that's how I try. I, I always try to fight against those social expectations that we have to, that, that kids think that they have to live by in society because I really think it's detrimental to our youth these days. The, the carp, you know, what you said about putting ourselves in compartments and, you know, every everyone's different and that's a beautiful thing and we should own that.
1: And the Bible talks about the tongue having the power of life and death. You could speak life over someone or you could speak death over someone. And I think especially coming from an athletic background like yours, it might be difficult at times to separate the two because there are some coaching styles that are more negative than others, more in-your-face or militaristic. Mm -hmm. So what have you taken from your background and implemented as a coach at George Fox?
2: Absolutely. I think it's a great question because – I have had so many different coaching styles, and I think that what I always like to tell my girls is that I will be an upfront coach with you. I will not play mind games with you. I will not belittle you. Then I will not break you down Then bring you back up. I want to bring you up from where you're at right now. And I, I think that's – I personally think that's a better coaching style because you're not – trying to inspire athleticism through fear or through, you know, mind games. You're trying to inspire athleticism because they they're honored to be able to play the sport out there. They're honored that they get to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And that's really what I try to implement when I'm a coach.
1: And do you think that goes beyond the athletic field?
2: That's yeah. And I think that's exactly what I try to be always, whether it's writing, whether it's I'm just walking down the street. You know, it's what I always try to live by.
1: Well, it's refreshing and it's transparent. So so tell us, now that you're a 23-year-old coach at a college program, have you found it difficult taking off the student-athlete hat and putting <laughs> on the coach hat and kind of having healthy boundaries between you and your players, some of whom might be your age?
2: Absolutely. And I think it is hard for me because it's it's so hard to not want to get close to these girls and joke with these girls because they're such outstanding girls. Um, I have nothing, I could not say anything bad about any of them. I, I'm i blessed to have them in my life. And so I think that sometimes it's hard to not want to be like their friend, but I think that they're able, they respect me and they're able to see that there is a difference and they're able to see that I do have good game IQ of the sport of lacrosse. And um, I think that's what helps us really keep that boundary.
1: So what's been your biggest surprise as a first-time coach this year? My biggest
2: surprise as a first-year coach is probably, honestly, how... Great, it's been at George Fox. And not that I didn't have any hope in George Fox, not that I didn't have any hope in the girls. It's just that coming from Fresno State, I've had a very different experience. Not that Fresno State was bad by any means, but we did go through some struggles at Fresno State that we have not had to go through at George Fox. And it's really been a breath of fresh air.
1: Well, you've been through a bunch of turnover from your Fresno State days or, or during your time at college, right? Yes. So. What were the best aspects you picked out of all these different coaches that you've seen over your four years there?
2: The best aspect that I picked up from his, from my coaches, uh, you know, I really had an, out, an inspiring coach, Carly Buck, that really was always positive and always tried to teach the bigger picture of the game of lacrosse. Um, she had a, a great game IQ of how to play the game well. And, you know, I think that sportsmanship. Um, my coaches at Fresno State always encourage sportsmanship, and I think that's a huge thing because that's totally what I'm about as well.
1: So give us an example of teaching some of these first-time <laughs> lacrosse players at the college level of sportsmanship and how you impart that onto them.
2: Yeah, I mean, before each game, we say a prayer, and you know, we pray for the safety of our pr- players, but we also pray for the safety of our opposing uh, players. I tell my girls that we're out there playing the sport. We're both playing the sport that uh, we love. You know, we're playing the sport of lacrosse together, and I try to teach the girls, like, hey, if you knock someone down, like, you pick them back up, you brush them off, you say sorry, you get on with the game. Even if they give you the cold shoulder, we always have to do it in a positive light, and that's what I like at George Fox.
1: It's good to see your experience at George Fox University is going so well. Natalie Harrington is the women's lacrosse coach at George Fox. You can email her, if you like, at nharrington at georgefox.edu. And she's also going by the name of N.R. Rose, the author of the Griffin's Calling Trilogy. Natalie Rose is a Difference Maker, and you are listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. As the author of Griffin's Calling, the trilogy, her name is N.R. Rose, as the head women's lacrosse lacrosse coach of George Fox University. She goes by Natalie Harrington, and she's my very special guest in the studio today. And what I love about you, Natalie, is that not only are you good at what you do and you're ambitious at a young age, but you really want to make an impact on those around you. And one of those ways, both as a coach and as an author, is your platform on anti-bullying. So can you tell us what experience you've gone through in your life? What have you seen that just fueled you and motivated you saying, I need to stand up and speak out against that.
2: Absolutely. I think a lot of it has to do with sports. Um, I think that having sportsmanship is a huge thing for me. And I've been in sports where I have had people basically bully on the field or, you know, on the basketball court or, you know, softball and stuff like that. Like I've had people bully, like call you names and stuff just because you might be better than them or it's because you might be worse than them. And so I, I mean, I experienced that a lot at college, like opposing teams just having absolutely terrible sportsmanship and it really ruins the game. And also I think that in high school and elementary school, even like just seeing the different clicks in high school really breaks me. I I really want to try to merge those clicks and be like, Hey, if you're good at band, you can go and hang out with the jock over there. If you, if you're in chess club, well, you can come over here and we can, you know, you're in choir as well. Like it, I think that, you know, merging those cliques together is going to help us be more cult- culturally sound. And I think it's going to be able to treat people, you know, treat people the way you'd like to be treated, is what I like to live by. And just, I, I think it's really important to me with that anti bullying.
1: Good old golden rule from Natalie Harrington. And could you tell us growing up in the Oregon City high school system, early on, did you see a lot of cliques, a lot of separation between different factions socially?
2: I definitely saw a lot of different cliques in high school, and I think the reason why I saw a lot of different cliques is because I was in a lot of those different cliques and stuff. So, uh, for instance, I, you know, I did take a class with chess in high school, and I loved it. And like, I was in choir all four years, and I adored that as well. The, it's just a team aspect of singing is just beautiful. Uh, and then, when, and then, uh, of course, I was always in sports. And on the side, I'd like to write. So I think that I was in a lot of different cliques, but I also saw that not a lot of people merged with those different cliques.
1: And what do you think that was? I mean, you're very self-confident in yourself, probably maybe starting in athletics at age four helped build that in yourself. But do you find that a lot of kids nowadays, pretty much throughout time, have a need to feel needed or feel a part of something bigger?
2: I completely agree with that. And I think that's why sometimes we sell ourselves short. And we only allow ourselves to be in one group at a time. And like, I mean, a lot of my athletic friends did not go into different groups, but a lot of them did too, which was cool to see. So I definitely think that kids think that they have to be put into one category and you can't get out of that category. And if you do, then you're not going to have friends. But I think that we need to start realizing that if you expand your you know, social groups, you're actually going to have more friends than if you just stayed in one.
1: So having been able to preach this, To the young women that you coach at George Fox University who might be, first of all, rookies in the sport of lacrosse in the first place, or maybe they're not all Oregon women like yourself. They're coming from different parts of the country. Maybe they're freshmen starting on their own to stand on their own two feet, perhaps for the first time.
2: It, yes, totally. And like, that's why I say the beauty of being a student athlete is if you go off to college and you're a student athlete, you don't know anyone, which some of these girls on my teams didn't. Um, you have, you know, at le- you have like 20 other girls that have your back no matter what. And you just have like an immediate family. And that's why I think it's so beautiful that they can be a part of this and, you know, that they're able to be student athletes.
1: And you're also encouraging them them to to go outside of just lacrosse and to go out for drama or choir or chess club or or other sports that you have at George Fox
2: absolutely and, and academics as well like I think that um, like I have some girls on my team who are two sport athletes and stuff and I'm always like expanding their horizon and I think that they have been able to see that I did that with my novels and stuff I mean the girls are so supportive of my books most of them have read them and stuff so I think that you know by by me showing them that you can be good at different things then um, I think they know that I'm all for that.
1: So tell us about your experience as a student athlete yourself Mm -hmm. at Fresno State. A a large school, I would assume, right? A very large school. Mm -hmm. How big is big?
2: Uh, Probably three times George Fox.
1: (laughs) And size isn't everything, obviously. Yeah. If if anything, uh, for me personally, I've always preferred the smaller classroom setting where you could have one-on-one conversations with a professor and get input.
2: Absolutely. And that's why I think George Fox is so amazing is because it's a three-to-one student-to-faculty ratio. So that's huge. At George or, I'm sorry, at Fresno State, it was like I had a classroom like 300 different kids. Like that's not much one-on-one time with your teacher and no, a lot of distraction.
1: <laughs> so where and when were you when you had to decide on a major outside of being a lacrosse star at Fresno?
2: I actually decided on a major quite um, late cuz I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And you know, As everyone is are good at things there, everyone's not so good at things. And part of that was I'm not good at math. I'm not good at I know that I'm not good at science. I try really hard to be good at those things, but it's just not my thing. And so I'm like, I'm trying to come up, you know, think of a major that I could pick. And I'm like, oh, how about I like to write? What about English? So I I tried to be an English major for a semester. And um, it was just so much reading that it was hard for me to balance being a student athlete and English major. So I was kind of losing hope and being like, I really don't know what I'm going to do. And I took a couple of communication classes and I immediately fell in love with it. I love the idea that we can analyze human beings and how we communicate. And I definitely think that um, communication is one of the most important components of our life because it's literally something we do every single day. And so I th- I think it was cool that I could you know have a major that I'm going to be implementing every second of the day so it's kind of cool
1: well you seem like a bit of a natural communicator in the first <laughs> place but how needed is it? you were able to take your college degree and hone your skills even further on a college level
2: yeah well thank you that's that's a huge compliment so thank you yeah i i think that it was i was able to fine tune it a little bit it's still have a long ways to go with it but i think i'm on the right path
1: so where exactly were you when you wrote each of these 3 books in the griffins calling trilogy now your first one you finished at age 16 or 17 is that correct um,
2: I started writing it at age 16 and then I finished it by when I was like uh, 17 or sorry when I was 18
1: okay and were you at Fresno State at this point or was no. it before college
2: I was before college and in it was in high school
1: that's amazing that you would have such a uh, encouragement from your mom in particular yes. and gumption to not just envision something but to see it through
2: Exactly. And I think that, you know, the, when I first started writing the first novel, um, I was handwriting it. So I hand wrote like 80 percent of my um, Griffin's Calling trilogy.
1: Uh, how's, how's your handwriting?
2: Uh, not very good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you ever go back to some pages or chapters and wonder what on earth was I writing and have to start over?
2: Um, Definitely. I, I think that definitely did happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: And did you finish the rest while you were in college, although unofficially? As- yeah. N.R. Rose because would, you, you couldn't yeah. do both at once. Could you explain that to us?
2: Definitely. So it turns out that if you're a student athlete on scholarship, you're actually not allowed to have your real name on a commercial product, meaning I, can't ha- I couldn't have my real name of Natalie Rose Harrington on my novels. So when my first novels came out, I like to call these novels the conflict novels that have my real name on them. There are 500 out there in the world <laughs> before they got recalled um
1: probably a limited edition yes uh, yes exactly (laughs) item maybe it's be collectible someday there
2: you go you know hopefully so um you know i brought my first novel in to show my coach at the time at fresno state and i'm like hey coach like this is my novel i wanted you to have one of the first copies thinking she's like super excited for me and she was just her face was just angry and i was like i don't know what i did i'm sorry that i wrote a book uh and so basically she was like, did you know that you broke NCAA rules? You could lose your scholarship and you put our entire program at risk. And I said, I did. Okay, I did. <laughs> and so um, she's like, you have 24 hours to recall your novels and you need to change your um, name on your book to a pen name. So you can, you have 24 hours to pick. So I was very distraught at the time. Oh, and, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a freshman. I've been working so hard to, you know, impress this coach and do well for the program and all of a sudden, you know, everything just comes crashing down. And she goes, by the way, you cannot practice with our team until you're done. But I could still condition and work out with them. But I couldn't play lacrosse.
1: Oh. <laughs> how much it just broke your little heart at oh, that point.
2: Oh, totally broke my heart. And so... Um, You know, Tate Publishing was awesome. My publishing company took all the measures to changing my um, name on my novels from Natalie Rose Harrington to N.R. Rose. And within 24 hours, I showed proof to my coach. I'm sorry. Within 24 hours, I showed proof to my coach. And then I could practice with my team when it was official, which was two weeks later.
1: So tell us the official story about choosing your pen name (laughs) under the gun.
2: Yes. Under the gun. So. It's N.R. Rose. And everyone's like, does like the R in the middle stand for? And I say, I really don't know. I was very frantic and I just filled it in there. So N.R. Rose it is. So Natalie Rose Rose.
1: There you go. There we go. A rose by any other name, right? Exactly. <laughs> so the Griffin's Calling trilogy. Uh, have you noticed any changes in your writing style starting off as a 16 year old to a college student? majoring in communications do you do you think maybe not griffin but the way you communicated griffin changed at all
2: um i definitely think so i think as i matured my writing definitely matured i mean i was a junior in college when i completed griffin's legacy and i was 16 you know sophomore in high school when i wrote griffin's calling so as i wrote the readability on my novels actually went up in levels so like griffin's calling is written at about a fifth, fifth sixth grade level temptation seventh eighth and then legacy is like eighth ninth grade level
1: so if you had to pick that progression, it's really not bad.
2: Yeah, it's not too bad. And I think that it's kind of cool because my reader can mature as Griffin matures, and I like that.
1: If you'd like to check out information on the Griffin's Calling trilogy, the website is griffinscalling.tateauthor.com. That's griffinscalling.tateauthor.com. And if you'd like to contact the author, N.R. Rose, also known as George Fox, University lacrosse coach Natalie Harrington, you can send her an email at nharrington at georgefox.edu. That's nharrington at edu. So do we have any other books on the horizon from Griffin or from N.R. Rose?
2: Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm actually currently writing a new series, and it's, an, it's going to be an alien series, sci-fi.
1: Oh, very different yes. from the Griffin's Very different. trilogy. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear that. We're speaking with Natalie Harrington on Difference Makers, and thank you for listening to True Talk 800. 23-year-old Natalie Harrington is not only George Fox University's women's lacrosse coach in its first relaunch season here in Newburgh, but she's also a published author of the Griffins Calling trilogy, Traveling Under Her Pen Name, N.R. Rose. So, can you tell us about some of your travels as a published author, in addition to being a successful lacrosse coach?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, one of the most rewarding experiences I think I had on my miniature book tours that I went on. I was in New Orleans, and um, I just got done presenting to this awesome school, and all the kids. They think I'm a celebrity. It's really cute, and they they all come up to me and they all, hey, can I have a picture with you, N.R. Miss Rose, can I have a picture with you kids like lining up for autographs and stuff. And, um, one of the teachers like pulled me aside and was like, Hey, there's a girl back, um, sitting back here. And, you know, she's, she's kind of nervous to come up and talk to you. And I said, well, bring her up. I was like, That's totally fine. And she's like, well, she, she's a little bit different. You know, she just got over a, a brain tumor and just got a brain tumor removed. And it's kind of left her a little bit impaired. And, um, that just like broke my heart. So I basically got out of the line of all the kids who are waiting for me. And, um, I walked up to her, the girl, and I said, hey, I want a picture with you. I'd be honored. Can I have a picture with you? And I think that at that point, her, the teacher, like, started kind of tearing up and stuff. And I think that was probably the highlight of it and just seeing that I could I could be that change. I could really, you know, make a difference. And she, the teacher, told me that, you know, we took the picture together and the girl was just, like, in shock. And, like, all the students were like, oh, my gosh, like, NR is taking a picture because she wants one with her, not because, you know, the girl wants one you know, with her. I wanted the picture with her because she was my inspiration in that sense. And so I always like, I always have, I have that picture and I always like to write, like I write for her. I write for people like that.
1: You seem very humble. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> About your success is not only on the field and as a coach, but also as an author. And and I think that's a, a tribute to a good upbringing from your parents here locally. Absolutely.
2: Yes. My and parents always taught me to be very humble.
1: It's definitely a strength of yours. And hopefully, you, the women you're coaching on the George Fox lacrosse team are picking up from that.
2: I certainly hope so. And they're just as humble, outstanding girls. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have them in my life.
1: If anything, do you find it maybe it's easier because they're not coming across as yourself, like a former MVP level lacrosse? So they're kind of starting from behind the starting line relative to some of the women they're playing against.
2: Exactly. And not only that, it's like seeing the difference from division one it's like you can, you can get athletic scholarships. These girls cannot receive athletic scholarships. They're just doing it because they love the sport and they love the people they're, they're playing the sport with. And I think that they're doing it because deep down they sincerely want to. And they sincerely want to be out there working hard, playing the sport they love with the people they love, not because they're getting their tuition paid for. And I think it makes for a better athlete and a better student some, sometimes.
1: Because they're not doing it for a job. They're doing it for a passion.
2: Exactly. And when you do things for a passion, it makes it 10 times better.
1: Whether it's playing or coaching or, or in your case, writing. Exactly. So are you encouraging uh, any of your players to to branch out into less familiar territory?
2: I mean, I definitely – I think that lacrosse, honestly, is, is that un, is, has been unfamiliar territory for a lot of them. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of them lack the confidence at first, like I've never played before. I'm like, you know what, like, let's refine your skills and let's make you into a lacrosse player. So I think that, you know, I definitely encourage them to branch out into different things as well. And I'm very supportive of their academics and stuff. I, I say you're a student first, you're an athlete second. So your academics come first. So that's how, I, you know, I definitely encourage that.
1: That's not going to be that way at every school, I would imagine.
2: No, it's not. I mean, Especially as you go up in levels, it's it's the you say you're a student athlete, but you're really an athletic student.
1: <laughs> so were you impressed by your experience at George Fox so far and what stood out to you or surprised you about being at George Fox University?
2: It surprised me with the amount of support that the school has for athletic you know, programs and just the will to want to do good in the community. I mean, our vision and mission at George Fox is to be the team to beat with the most formative athletic experience in the country, meaning that we're the best team, but we also do it and equip our student athletes with lifelong skills. And I mean, when we want, we want our student athletes to go out there and be world changers. And like, I, I came to George Fox, like, um, I, I think it was fate. Like, I think it was, you know, I was a, very, a blessing because everything that I stand for with my writing, George Fox stands for that as well.
1: So have you enjoyed Newburgh? any good eateries that you would recommend?
2: um any good eateries? Well, I just took my team to Abby's legendary Pizza, which was very good they, <laughs> after a um you know team dinner and stuff but you know they have really good like downtown like cute little coffee shops and stuff in Newburgh, which are really fun, so
1: yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very quaint plus you you to your own Burgerville not too far away. yeah <laughs> what I've loved about my experience with George Fox is the serve day that y'all hold every September where they shut down the campus so that's Faculty, staff and students just go out and serve the community. Yes. And, and we're not talking, you know, raking <laughs> leaves in, in no. Newburg alone. We're talking uh, some of the students and staff I've encountered. They've gone down to Eugene. They've busted themselves. Oh, in, yeah. In, in heat, clearing it's out huge. Uh, yeah. areas for, for, the, for the poor or gone up to north of Portland and things like that.
2: Absolutely. It's huge. And like when I first came to George Fox, like serve day was just going on and they're explaining to me what they do. And I'm like, you shut down everything for the good of the community. I'm like, that is amazing. Like this tells a lot about the university and what we stand for at George Fox University.
1: So as a graduating Fresno State senior, did you have any inkling that you would end up being a college head coach?
2: I mean, not right away. I wanted to work to that because lacrosse, like my dream was to be a college lacrosse coach. And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life is coach lacrosse and write. And I just feel so blessed that I've I've had these opportunities. And so I did not have an inkling that I was going to be a coach this soon, but I did eventually want to be a coach. And I was just lucky enough that it got to happen this fast.
1: I think God opens up opportunities and sometimes we're not ready for them. So I'm thankful that you were ready to make the big jump.
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't think I was ready, but I think, you know, um, God had a different plan for me and he knew I was. And even though it was hard for me to transition to, because I wasn't sure of how to do it, I've been able to, you know, go by instinct and really be guided into it.
1: Did you find it difficult to maintain a positive, faithful relationship at Fresno versus being at George Fox?
2: Um, I think so. at, At times, yes. At times it would be a roller coaster at Fresno, especially, you know, with how much how demanding it was i mean when you're a division one student athlete you're basically playing lacrosse for four years straight every day except maybe one day of the week
1: so what do you do to relax you wear so many different hats between coaching and not just george fox's team but your other team as well with the high school age students right yeah in addition to being a writer so how does natalie harrington relax
2: how I relax and kind of wind down, I would say, is, I mean, I love the outdoors. I love going on hikes and being active. I also, you know, and going back to, like, the writing, I think that I was pretty stressed in high school with, you know, sports and stuff and needing to go to, looking to go to colleges. And writing really helped me slip into that other world and just kind of relax and just get, get away for a bit. But, I mean, I, I like to do different things. This is kind of funny. I love playing video games. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I love movies. I'm a huge movie buff. Um, all fantasy. Um, just, you know, certain things like that. Nothing kind of crazy. You're but...
1: on a desert island with a DVD player and oh, five DVDs. Okay. What do you bring with you?
2: Five DVDs. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would bring the Lord of the Rings trilogy.
1: Oh, what cat that is just one.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. Um, let me think. I would have to bring a good, you know, I would put, so Lord of the Rings one. I would say Narnia, definitely. Harry Potter. Uh, for sure. But I also like love Pirates of the Caribbean. So that's four. Um, what else? One last one. Mm. E.T. Definitely. Classic E.T.
1: You know, that is a pretty much a timeless movie. I never got it, sick it of is. watching that.
2: I, I, I could never get sick of it. It's an amazing movie.
1: So as a parting word of encouragement to any young women out there, whether or not they write or whether or not they play lacrosse or are athletes, okay, what words would you impart to them right now?
2: I would definitely say that don't just put yourself into one category and sit there and say, This is who I am. This is who I have to be. This is who people expect me to be. Do what feels right. You can be good at multiple things. And, you know, before we, you know, go out and have to, you know, learn acceptance of others, we need to first accept ourselves and realize that you could be meant for something of great importance. So don't sell yourself short.
1: The Bible says, God has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And it doesn't have to be in just one box. So thank you so much for coming out and being with us. N.R. Rose, the author of the Griffins Calling Trilogy, also known as the women's lacrosse coach at George Fox University, Natalie Harrington. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the air today. And if you'd like to contact Natalie, her email address is nharrington at georgefox.edu. That's nharrington at georgefox.edu. EDU, and thank you for tuning in to Difference Makers on True Talk 800